0: Good morning morning. welcome to Northminster Church on this chilly morning I'm glad you brave the cold to be here whether you're joining us in person or online we are grateful for your presence with us this morning as we come together for the worship of God Uh, several things I want to make you aware of but first as we prepare for worship if you would please pass the worship registry down your row I've been a bit remiss in reminding you of this lately, Um, and please just record for us who's here, and if you would make that as legible as possible, we would appreciate it. I want to say a special word of welcome to anyone who's visiting with us today. We're particularly glad that you are here and gracing us with your presence. Uh, We take communion here at Northminster every week, so if you're new with us, there are instructions on the insert to your order of worship or you can just follow the folks around you. They'll lead you in the right direction. We do have gluten-free wafers available if you are in need of that. Uh, So just make me aware when you come up, I'll make sure you get one. We are gonna have an after-church fellowship today. Um, You might have seen elsewhere that we are not, but we are. I do ask that you um, lovingly say hello, give each other a hug, get a snack, and then if you could, clear out rather quickly, we do have a funeral this afternoon, and the family is coming in at 1230, um, and we are going to try to feed them, and and that's a lot of moving pieces, so I know we've got some talkers, Um, (laughs) just a few of you like to chat, so maybe, maybe save some of those conversations for next week, have an extra long chat which is also my way of reminding you um, Joe Caskey's memorial services today, the viewing starts at two o'clock and then the service itself starts at three, if you would like to be here for that. You'll also notice the gorgeous flowers at the front of the sanctuary this morning. I'm gonna ask that you appreciate those from afar and please don't take them. A lot of work went into making those ready for that service, and we need to keep them looking as lovely as they currently do uh, until that service is over for the family. We are also going to be having a Cuba blessing at the end of our service today for our folks who leave for Cuba. Y'all leave Wednesday, Thursday? Wednesday. So we will have a blessing for them. At the end of our service, and again, the folks going to Cuba are Craig D.H., Beth Mayfield, Kyle, uh, Jennifer, and then Kyle's sisters, Bobby and Terry, correct, Bobby and Terry? Yes. So we will do that at the end of our service. Let me make sure I'm not missing anything else. Business
1: meeting.
0: Thank you, Craig. Business meeting tonight, 6 p.m., but there will not be a potluck. There's enough going on today. We're not going to have our potluck, but if you could be here at six for that business meeting, that would be great. All right, with all of that said, let's take a deep breath together. And we take this deep breath, if, if you're new with us, we take this deep breath on busy days. We take this deep breath on quiet days so as to center ourselves and to give our minds and our hearts and our bodies a chance to catch up with each other because as a society we are not good at slowing down most of you are probably too busy to realize you're tired but I promise you you're probably tired so take a deep breath if it helps you to close your eyes close your eyes put your feet flat on the floor let that breath don't let don't raise your shoulders let it come from your belly from your diaphragm breathe like a musician As you breathe in, breathe in the joy and the love of this good place. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. Breathe out the things in the house that don't have a place but should really have a place. Speaking for myself in this moment. Breathe in again. Know that whatever you bring with you today, whatever you're carrying, God sees it, God loves you. And know that no matter how you're feeling, you are a beloved child of god and then if you would please join me in our call to worship we come to prepare the way the, way for christ. the hope of christ the peace of christ to enter our world, to enter our we cry out together in the wilderness the kingdom of heaven has come we come to be part of the light Amen. Fred, George, it's nice to see you. Are those your names? Is your name Fred? Oh, is your name George? Is your name George? His name is Henry. Oh, okay, okay. So, sorry, I forgot for a minute. But do you think it's important that we call people by their right names? What do you think? Is that important? If I walked around and called you George, would you like it? Hmm, maybe not. What if I called you Larry? What would you think, Max? Would that be okay? If I just decided one day you look like a Larry? No? So it is important that we call people by their names, right? We call people what they want to be called. You think that's important? so there's a story you're going to hear later it's about when jesus gets baptized and god calls jesus my beloved son and that is really important and a really special name and it's a name we still use today but there are times that it can be hard for us to call people by their right names we call them other things we maybe think we know better than they do and we call them something else but It's really important when somebody says, this is my name, this is who I am, that we believe them just like we believe that Jesus is the son of God. That's really important. So I want you to think about this week, the names that we call each other. Sometimes we don't call each other nice things, do we? Have you ever called somebody a not nice name? I have. (laughs) I've called Mr. Eric some very not nice names sometimes. We all do. It's human. It's a human thing to maybe not use nice words for each other. But it's also really important when somebody says, this is my name. This is who I am. Like we hear in the story about Jesus. That we remember that. And that we are kind. And we are respectful. Just like you don't want me to walk up and call you Larry, right? Hi, Larry. You you wouldn't like that. Or something else. It's not very nice. It's important for us to remember people's names and the words that we use to talk about people matter so I want you to think about that this week okay pay attention to the words that you use when you talk to other people and that goes for all of us right the names that we call each other matter now we're going to say our prayer everybody turn around face the congregation and there are only three of you so you're going to have to be nice and loud turn all the way around Henry good job All right, sit up nice and straight and tall. Remember, you're in charge of this, so you have to be nice and loud. Adults, you're welcome to join in. I'll say the first line, you say it back to me. I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you.
1: And I am blessed to be with
0: you. O holy child of God amen. You can go back to your seats now. Thank you, guys.
2: A reading from Psalm 18. The Eternal is my rock, my fortress, and my salvation, my one true God, the stronghold in which I hide, my strong shield, the horn that calls forth help, and my tall walled tower. I call out to the Eternal, who is worthy to be praised. That's how I will be rescued from my enemies. The bonds of death encircle me. The currents of destruction tugged at me. The sorrows of the grave wrap around me. The traps of death lay in wait for me. In my time of need, I called to the eternal. I begged my true God for help and I was heard. My voice echoed up to the temple and my cry came to God's ears. Because of God's great anger, The earth shook and staggered, the roots of the mountain shifted, smoke poured out from the nose of God, and devouring fire burst from the Eternal's mouth. Coals glowed, the heavens bent and descended, inky darkness was beneath God's feet. The Eternal rode upon a heavenly creature, flying, and was carried quickly on the wings of the wind. God took darkness as a hiding place, both the dark waters of the seas and the dark clouds of the sky. God reached down from above me and held me and lifted me from the raging waters, rescuing me from my strongest enemy, from all those who sought my death, for they were too strong. They came for me in the day of my destruction, but the eternal was the support of my life and set me down in a safe place, saving me and taking joy in me. The word from the psalmist for today. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: Let's pray together. O oh Lord we pray this morning for the spirit of wisdom to rest upon us a spirit of understanding and knowledge we ask that it grant us peace to live in harmony and that your mercy prevail we pray this morning for God's steadfastness to gird our spirits may peace prevail like lamb and wolf lying down together o oh lord grant us to live in harmony and that your mercy would prevail. We pray this morning for voices crying out in the wilderness, women living in fear, children in hiding, men struggling to survive. O Lord, grant us all a place of harmony, and that your mercy may prevail. We pray this morning that we all can repent of the harm that we have done to the innocent that the chaff of abuse and hurt might be cleared. O Lord, we ask that you bear us in a spirit of harmony and that your mercy may prevail. And we pray together for God's hope and joy and peace to fill our hearts and for the ability for us to sing in one voice glorifying God and that we might prepare the way. And, O Lord, that your mercy may prevail. Amen.
3: A reading from 2 Corinthians. For God says through Isaiah, When the time was right, I listened to you. In that day you were delivered. I was your help. Look, now the time is right. See, your day of deliverance is here. We are careful in what we teach so that our words won't be a stumbling block and so that no one will discredit our ministry. But as God's servants, we commend ourselves in every situation, so that with great endurance we persevere, even in anguish and hardship. We have been cornered by the enemy, suffering beatings, imprisonments, uproars, toil, sleeplessness, and starvation. And by the Holy Spirit, with purity, understanding, patience, kindness, and sincerest love we have proved ourselves. Now with the voice of truth and power of God, armed on the right and armed on the left with righteousness from God, we continue. Whether respected or loathed, praised or criticized as frauds, yet true as unknown to this world, and yet well known to God, we serve him. We are treated as dying and yet we live, as punished and yet we are not executed. Though we are sorrowful, we continually rejoice. As the poorest of the poor, we bring richness to all. And though we have nothing, we possess all things. Words from Paul about servanthood. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. A man called John began to travel, preach, and ritually wash people through baptism in the wilderness of Judea. John preached a stern but exciting message saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John's proclamation fulfilled a promise made by the prophet Isaiah, who had said, There will be a voice calling from the desert saying, Prepare the road for the eternal one's journey. Repair and straighten out every mile of our God's highway. Now John wore wild clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, the clothes of an outcast, a rebel. He ate locusts and wild honey. Sometimes when people saw John, they were reminded of the last time God's people had wandered in the wilderness after the exile from Egypt. John preached in the wilderness, and he wore clothes just like the prophet Elijah had worn. Many thought John was inaugurating a new exodus. The anointed one, whose way John prepared, called humanity away from comfort and status. God called followers to challenge their assumptions and the things they took for granted. Now people from Jerusalem, all of Judea, and indeed from all around the river, Jordan came to John. They confessed their sins and they were baptized by him in the Jordan. John ritually cleansed them through baptism as a mark of turning their life around. John said, Someone is coming after me, someone whose sandals I am not fit to carry, someone who is more powerful than I. He will wash you, not in water, but in fire and with the Holy Spirit. He car- carries a winnowing fork in his hand, and he will, be, he will clear his threshing floor. He will gather up the good wheat in his barn, and he will burn off the chaff with a fire that cannot be put out. And then the one of whom John spoke, the all-powerful Jesus, came to the Jordan from Galilee to be washed by John. At first, John demurred, saying, I need to be cleansed by you. you. Why do you come to me? And Jesus said, it will be right, true, and faithful to God's chosen path for you to cleanse me with your hands in the Jordan River. John agreed, and he ritually cleansed Jesus, dousing him in the waters of the Jordan. Jesus emerged from his baptism, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him, alighting on his very body. Then a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. This is the apple of my eye. With him, I am well pleased. Friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Yes.
0: Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. There's nothing to make you reevaluate your teaching abilities. uh, Like one of your students asking about the whole purpose of a class, a full semester into that class. (laughs) It'd be like a political science student asking in November, What is political science? Or I'm assuming, Debbie can confirm, a second year music major saying, Can someone explain to me why I need uh, music theory to be a composer? That'd be a problem. Yeah. I'm sure the basic questions, uh, these sorts of things, are incredibly, would be incredibly frustrating to also hear from. Engineering students are finance majors, but I don't understand those things, so I can't even guess what those questions would be. But you, I think you take my point. It, it's frustrating as any sort of educator to have been working with students and then to get into what you're doing and have them say, okay, but what are, why are we here? What's the point of this? And I had that exact thing happen to me several years ago. Uh, To give you some context, at my last church, they have something called pastor's class. It's a little bit like confirmation in the Methodist church or catechism in the Catholic church. It's to prepare you for baptism. And unlike most Baptist churches, the church in Pennsylvania, when you're in seventh grade, you go through pastor's class. And most parents want their kids to go through pastor's class and then be baptized. So... It was my job and I did it I always thought it was a little odd but that was their tradition and I had a group of four um, that a woman named Karen in the church who had helped raise these kids since they were babies um, helped me teach this class and in our efforts to prepare these young folks for baptism we talked about everything from the layout and the content of the Bible how faith and science go together whether or not it's okay to struggle with believing everything in the Bible, and just the criticism that you hear about being a Christian. We were not quite into the home stretch, but we were getting close. At that church, they do baptism on Palm Sunday. Uh, That was about three months away, so we still had a little bit of time. But I thought we were on the same page. And, you know, 14-year-olds will prove you wrong every time. And when at one of our meetings when I said, now what questions do you still have? What do we need to spend more time on? The last thing I expected to hear was, what is baptism? (laughs) And why do I need to do it? (sighs) And y'all, I would really like to blame the kids. That would have been really convenient. They're teenagers. They have selective hearing. Anyone who's raised a teenager knows that. Anyone who's taught a teenager knows that. You know, we've looked at the face of a young person, said something to them, and they're blank. They have not heard it, processed it, anything. But I realized in that instance that we don't talk enough, and we hadn't talked enough about what baptism is and what it means. I'd gone over the logistics. I told them what to expect, had even physically practiced with them, because it's a bit of a process, and... All of these kids were taller than me, so I had to practice with them, uh, mostly so they'd understand how much they were gonna have to bend their knees so I could actually get them under the water. But we hadn't talked about what baptism means, why it's important, and why, as a church, we believed in baptism and the way that we go about doing it. What does baptism mean? It is an excellent question. Possibly the question for someone who's getting ready to go through the process. It's also the question this morning's Matthew reading asks us to ponder as we hear of Jesus' baptism. And it's a question people of faith have been asking for millennia. For those of us who believe baptism to be a method of washing away sin, it's confusing that Jesus, who is sinless, needs to be baptized in this story. That's why John's confused. Why do, you, why do you come to me? Others are troubled by Jesus seeking out and submitting to his cousin John for baptism. And John is hesitant. I need to be baptized by you. Now, according to Christian historian Dominic, John Dominic Crossan, there was an acute embarrassment in the New Testament Gospels about Jesus being baptized by John. Historically, there was this acute embarrassment. Because the early church found it scandalous that the Messiah would place himself under the tutelage of this rabble rouser. As Episcopal priest and writer Debbie Thomas asks, what was God's incarnate son doing receiving a baptism of repentance? Perfect, untouchable Jesus. What was he doing in that murky water aligning himself with the great unwashed? And why did God choose that sordid moment to part the clouds And call his son beloved. Matthew tells us Jesus prevents John from rejecting his desire to be baptized in verse 14 by saying this to him Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consents. And when Jesus has been baptized, just as he comes up from the water, suddenly the heavens are open and we see. Uh, The Holy Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son, the beloved, as the translation you heard a minute ago said, the apple of my eye, with whom I am well pleased. In this moment, the voice of God speaking from above, in this amazing moment, Jesus' divinity is revealed. He is called son for the first time. And his his identity as the Son of God is made clear. As commentator Dr. Jeannie K. Brown says, Matthew uses this scene to highlight his Christology, what he believes about the nature and incarnation of Jesus, while also providing an incipient Trinitarian moment, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, with the divine voice affirming the Son while the Spirit comes to rest upon him. In other less seminary type words, Matthew uses this moment in his writing, in his gospel, to make a first clear statement that Jesus is the Son of God and also part of the Trinity. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. But more than Matthew's effort to tell a particular evangelistic sort of story, which, let me be clear, that was the goal of all all of the gospel writers, they were telling evangelistic stories, this moment of Jesus being pulled up from the water by John and having the spirit of God rest upon him and being called my beloved son is incredible because it occurs at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It occurs before Jesus is told a single parable, before he's healed a single person, before a single individual has become a follower. This naming, this claiming by God, happens before Jesus has done anything to upset the religious establishment, so he hadn't made anybody mad yet, anything to raise the eyebrows of his hometown before he has really done anything Christ-like or even praiseworthy. And yet, God comes in this moment blessing Jesus Showering him with approval and love, naming and claiming him. Despite any objections the early church had or questions that might continue to linger for us today about why this was necessary, this is a story that is important and that we should remember because, as commentator David Luce says so well, it helps us recover and reclaim baptism as a dynamic, present tense activity rather than just being seen as a quaint ritual or ceremony yes baptism can be thought of as a way to wash away sin but moreover holy baptism promises ongoing ongoing forgiveness of sin and relationship with god but baptism also provides something more baptism provides a name beloved and with that name an identity child of God, one to whom God is unfailingly committed, and that name and identity has never been more important. A few years ago, at the church I served in St. Louis, I met a woman named Sandra, not her real name for privacy's sake, and I don't remember exactly how Sandra found our church or what attracted her to us as a congregation, but over the course of a few months, she became a regular visitor. And then after about six months, Sandra came to my coworker, one of the other ministers at the church, and asked about joining. Donna, my wonderful coworker, explained that the usual procedure was for people to come forward on a Sunday morning during the invitation that was offered weekly, present themselves to the church, and then publicly announce that they wanted to join the congregation. Pretty standard. The church office would then get in contact with their former church and do all the paperwork, Pretty simple, straightforward, except that wasn't quite what Sandra had in mind. You see, Sandra is a trans woman who lived as William until she was in her 50s, and I had permission to use her former name, because at that point she was still using it. Despite being married, having children, and building a successful career as a mechanic for Boeing, it wasn't until she was finally able to be Sandra that she found herself. And although she knew that one baptism was enough, one baptism is plenty, she didn't have to go under the water again to ensure her salvation. Sandra said something to Donna and Lynn later to me that I will never forget. And this is what she said and chokes me up every time. William has been baptized, but Sandra hasn't. It's so simple and beautiful. And sitting on that front row the morning that Donna baptized Sandra, who, by the way, was 6'5", and barely fit in the baptistry, Sandra wept. Donna was weeping as she did this baptism. I was Most of us in the congregation were weeping. We wept for the beauty that is always so striking in baptism. We wept for the promise of eternal life and the sacredness of a practice that Jesus himself took part in. But more than that, we wept to see this beloved child of God claiming the identity that had been inside her for so long. We wept to see longing fulfilled. We wept, in some ways, to see one life ending and a new one beginning. We wept to hear the words, buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, which was spoken over that brave, remarkable, very tall woman. It was glorious, it was sacred, and it was claiming. My friends, I've said before that words are powerful. As I told the kids, what we call each other matters. Names are also powerful. They convey identity, purpose, authority, and more. And the good news this morning is that in baptism, God claims us by the name beloved. Now, keep in mind, in this naming by God, it doesn't make all of our other names worthless or uh, unusable. Father, mother, sister, pastor, wife, caregiver, advocate, son, ally, friend, all of those names are valuable and should matter to us a great deal. But again, as David Luce says so eloquently, While all these other names, these affiliations and identifications may describe us, they dare not define us. What defines us are the words spoken over us in baptism, not by the pastor, not by someone like me, but by God, who tells us who we are and whose we are. So as you go from this place, think about the names you've been given over your lifetime. The nicknames people have given you and the not-so-nice names people may have called you. Think about the names you've inherited from your ancestors and perhaps passed on to your children. Think about all the titles you carry on a daily basis, all those letters behind our names. And then think about how different a world it would be if we were to recognize all the people we meet by the name that matters most, beloved child of God. As we come to this time of communion, we do so with joy because a child has been born in the city of David who is Christ the Lord. God is with us. And through the birth and life of Christ, we are witnesses to a hope that is born in in community. We are witnesses to nurturing love. And we are witnesses to what it means to take risks together. And we see the fruit of multiplying what we have because it's always more than enough yes technically christmas is over and it may seem a little bit odd to reference jesus final meal while we even speak of his birth but as we know birth and death are part of the human experience and it is amazing and celebratory just how human god became through christ Friends, this is not my table, this is not Northminster's table, this is Christ's table. We are the guests and Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it, so kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. We are on holy ground. All are wanted and all are welcomed here with our doubts and our shortcomings, our failures and our griefs. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you are a beloved child of God and you aren't just tolerated you are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted thanks be to god for a love like that and now if you would please join me in the prayer that jesus taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around that table, because of his relentless pursuit of love, he would be seized by those in power. He just made people too angry. And this isn't a surprise, because today we still often vilify, even crucify, the ones who dare to risk it all on love. But before he was taken, Jesus introduced this meal to his followers. For though he knew the end was coming, he joined with those he loved and knew best. And as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread. He blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, remember me. And then when supper was over, Jesus picked up a cup. And he filled it with wine. And as he filled it, he blessed it. And in that blessing, he reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. My friends, Christ makes us the same promise. Thanks be to God. Amen. As you're being seated, I'm going to ask that those of you who are going to Cuba, if you would come join me up front for just a moment, please. Or come down and join me up front. Come on over here. Put y'all in the middle. So this is part of our crew going to Cuba this year. I think most of you know we've had a decades-long relationship uh, with a church in Sierra Ávila, Cuba. And these are the folks who are going to continue that friendship and that relationship this year. And we should offer them a blessing for safe travel. Uh, But before we do that, I do want to make it very clear if in the future you would like to go to Cuba, you are able to. So just keep that in mind. But... We're going to send these wonderful folks off with a blessing. So if you would please pray with me. Dear God, we send our friends and our church family members to Cuba to see our other friends. And we ask that you be with them in that time of friendship and fellowship as they continue to deepen and strengthen the relationship that we have with those in Sierra de Ávila. Allow them to travel safely and to travel with confidence and know that they go with our love and our support and our excitement and then bring them home safe to us so that we can hear about their adventure. We send them with your love and your peace and your grace and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you all very much. Please stand for our final hymn. now hear this benediction. May God bless you with a distaste for superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen.